Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is the benefit and power of playing the long game, uh, as well as giving you a, a few examples. Uh, now, hopefully most listeners have read my book, Investopoly. Uh, in Investopoly, I out- outline eight rules and I suggest that if you follow those rules uh, they will help you one uh, build success wealth successfully and number two uh, and maybe most importantly avoid making costly mistakes Uh, and also what I say in the book is if you actually reflect on past successes and mistakes uh, and you relate those successes and mistakes back to those eight rules those eight rules will tell you what you did wrong or what you did right um, and because they're evidence-based, uh, they're rooted in sound fundamentals, basic logic, etc. So ha- if you haven't yet read Investopoly, uh, the book, I know it's a bit of shameless self-promotion, but uh, certainly grab a copy. Uh, you can use the uh, discount code uh, BLOG, uh, B-L-O-G, of course. Uh, so if you go to the website, ProSolution website, uh, there's a, a page where I sell my books. Uh, you can buy a copy no postage if you use the code blog. So uh, hopefully that helps out. But anyway, let's get into this week's podcast, which is the number one rule in Investopoly is play the long game. And I think it's arguably the most important out of the eight rules. That's why it's number one, the first one to talk about. uh, Because, uh, and the reason I say that is uh, I think it's the, the mistake that most investors make. That is, they don't play the long game. And whilst the rule is really simple to understand, it's often very challenging to follow. Uh, so don't let its simplicity uh, fool you into thinking you don't need to, to worry too much about it. So let's start off with a question. Um, I'm going to give you two investments, two investment options. You can only pick one and you need to think about, as you're listening to this, which one you would go for. So the first one is to invest in a, uh, an index fund you know, in the share market. Um, that will help you accumulate half a million dollars of wealth over the next 10 years. So that's a half a million dollars more than what you've put into it. Or alternately, I'll give you a stock tip that will generate 50 grand of profit in the next nine months. So have a think about those two options and uh, think about which one you would go for. Uh, remember, you can only pick one. Uh, unfortunately, I think most investors are going to go for the stock tip option. Um, and they might justify that decision by saying, look, I'll, I'll play the long game after I've banked a, a quick profit. You know, why would you um, uh, not pursue and make 50 grand in nine months? That's a really good outcome. Uh, and of course it is. Um, and to many people, making a quick profit actually feels less risky than having to wait 10 plus years for a much, much larger gain. So there's three reasons why that short-term option is inferior. And it made me think deeply about this more recently when I came across a investment opportunity that was a four-townhouse development. Um, and it was projected to make somewhere between $460,000 and $550,000 in pre-tax profit, uh, which equated to a return of 15 to 18%. And the development might take two to three years to actually execute Uh, So I came across this opportunity, Um, I'd assumed that those ranges in terms of those predicted returns are are reasonable and and conservative, and the development required about $3 million of capital, um, either borrowings or or cash, 
and uh, so, of course, an alternative to, to that development strategy was, well, why don't you just go out and buy a $3 million investment property, uh, for example, something that's really high quality, as I keep talking about, mostly land value, etc. Uh, and and that was a better option for three, for three reasons, which I'm going to outline now. Uh, so the first one is uh, all about risk-adjusted returns. Uh, so risk really refers to um, whether your actual return will vary uh, from your expected return. So how likely will it or what's the probability of it varying from your expected return? Uh, very low risk investments produce very predictable returns. For example, a term deposit, you know, you, you invest your money for nine months, 12 months, whatever the term is, uh, you'll, you, the, the return's guaranteed I and mean, it's guaranteed by the Australian government. So... Uh, you know, that, that's a very low-risk investment, of course. Property development, well, lots of things can go right or wrong. So the, the return range or um, outcomes could, could vary between making a loss or making a massive profit. Uh, you can't compare two investment options without also comparing their inherent risk. Uh, because if you, if you do that, you're going to make a mistake uh, and you're not going to be fairly rewarded for the risk that you're taking. So what I thought I'd do is I'd delve a little bit deeper in this podcast episode to compare those two options, a property development that's likely to generate heaps of profit, you know, half a million dollars of pre-tax profit, that's nothing to sneeze at, that's a pretty substantial sum of money, uh, or um, uh, putting that $3 million into an investment-grade asset, which I'm not suggesting people do, by the way. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's a bad strategy, but I'm not suggesting people do, but just to make sure we're comparing apples with apples, uh, I wanted to compare the sort of same value property and value proposition. Uh, so let's think about that long-term investment option then. Uh, over very long periods of time, uh, it's my view that a high-quality investment-grade uh, house uh, should produce a, a capital growth rate of at least 7 to 8% over very long periods of time. Quite often, and certainly in the last 30 years, they've uh, good quality properties exceeded that. Um, but 7 to 8%, I think, is a realistic expectation. Plus, of course, you're going to get some income uh, after paying for expenses, property management, maintenance, etc., etc. You're probably going to get a rental yield of at least, say, 1%. So total return of eight to nine percent, you know, including income and capital growth. And I've previously calculated in Investopoly, the book actually, uh, that uh, Australia, the Australian uh, residential property has a historic volatility rate of ten percent. Um, so to put that in context, the share market's volatility rate is about twenty percent. Um, uh, fixed interests and bonds are sort of five to seven percent. So it gives you a, an idea of where in the risk scale. Uh, residential property sits. So if we think about then property development, uh, of course, there's lots of different risks that can or events that can occur that can change uh, your investment return. Uh, so cost blowouts, uh, like we're seeing obviously through COVID, you know, the, the raw material costs uh, have increased substantially for some developers. Uh, failure to achieve your sales price, you know, so the market can change in between starting the development or agreeing to the development and when your uh, product is ready for sale. Um, adverse changes to planning rules uh, and the risk go on. So for the sake of this example, let's apply a volatility rate of 30%, which is three times higher than the, um, uh, the long-term investment option, which is really based on um, historic data. Uh, and fifty times, fifty uh, percent more 
than the share market. So, and I think that's probably realistic uh, where they sit in order. So, a property development would be uh, typically more risky than uh, investing in in passive shares over time. Uh, the Sharpe ratio is uh, the generally accepted methodology to calculate it to calculate risk adjusted returns. And what it does is it it looks at um, how much return do you get per unit of risk? Uh, and so I have calculated the development option and a higher sharp ratio is better. Um, and so I've calculated the development option has a sharp ratio of uh, 0.48. Um, and the long-term uh, hold option has a sharp ratio of 0.56. So uh, higher than the development option which shows that the long-term option provides investors with a better return relative to risk. And so when you're thinking about investment options and investment strategies and so forth, it is most important to consider returns and risks at the same time. Uh, And it'll stop you or or, uh, help you prevent or at least make informed decisions and, and prevent you from perhaps making mistakes. The second reason why the long-term investment option is better is because of perpetual returns and compounding capital growth. Uh, The advantage of investing in asset or asset class that is expected to generate um, very good returns over long periods of time is they benefit from that power of compounding capital growth. And I've got a link to a chart uh, that I used last year that really demonstrates you know, how that compounding capital growth really generates substantial wealth over time. The challenge with short-term investment options is that, of course, you must find another equally attractive investment opportunity as soon as that uh, investment completes. So it's good. You might go and do a development. It takes two to three years. At the end of that two to three year period, you've got to find another development that's equally as attractive as the last one, and so on and so forth. And of course, that can be challenging, risky, and time-consuming. And it's probably unlikely that you're going to find an endless amount of consistently profitable opportunities. And lastly, the third reason why the long-term investment option, uh, and I'm going to go through the figures in a minute because I've done some projections, uh, is better than um, uh, is better than the development, uh, is that taxes taxes are road wealth. So, of course, if you do a development, you sell the end product, uh, you'll have to pay capital gains tax or income tax, whatever taxes you might need to pay um, when you do that. Uh, And the disadvantage of that, of course, is then you've got less money to reinvest over time. Um, uh, Whereas if you a long-term hold, uh, you obviously don't pay the tax until until if or when you sell that asset. Um, And the delaying of the tax just allows you to reinvest that your pre-tax return uh, each year and you benefit from that compounding capital growth. So taxes erode wealth and make sense. Um, And by uh, taking a very transactional approach to building wealth, uh, you end up giving rise to higher taxes. Uh, So again, when you look at the headline numbers and think about, look, I'll do a development every three years, every two to three years and make half a million dollars in profit, uh, it looks like a pretty attractive uh, investment option. So what I did is um, drafted some projections. And I said, okay, if we did that every three years and we made that profit uh, and I applied that risk-adjusted return uh, versus just buying a $3 million buy and hold property and really do nothing to it and just hold it for long term, what's the outcome? And uh, I've included a chart in the – there's a link in the show notes, of course, and blog on the website – 
The analysis um, uh, is uh, discounted back in today's dollars, so excluding the impact of inflation and after all income and capital gains taxes as well in both scenarios. Uh, so I've treated them both uh, in the same way. And the buy and hold strategy over a 30-year period produces 80% more wealth. 80% more wealth, over $3.2 million better off in today's dollars. Uh, and so I think that chart really eloquently proves the benefit of playing the long game and how, how uh, tremendously powerful it is. Actually, when you see the chart, you'll see that it's pretty even over the first 10 years. The, the um, buy hold is, you know, yeah, it's relatively even. Uh, and it really comes into its own when that compounding capital growth kicks in over, you know, the second and third decade. Uh, and that's and that's why I think it so eloquently demonstrates the power of playing the long game, uh, because after ten years, you know, you're neck and neck with with the, each investment option. So you think you well, you fool yourself into you thinking you made the right decision, or even if you look in the earlier periods, in the first two or three years, you, you're actually better off with the development. So again, it it uh, fools you into believing you're on the right path, but uh, it's not until you know you're at year fifteen, twenty for example, that you really see the divergence of, of wealth. I mean, the one other thing that the, um, the chart doesn't take into account is the amount of time required from an investment perspective. So uh, a buy and hold strategy on average, I mean, you're going to get years where things go wrong with the property and you end up spending a bit of time uh, and, energy, and energy sorting out. Um, but there's also years where everything goes smoothly and you hardly uh, think about the property at all. But really, a, a buy and hold strategy is very hands-off. And maybe on average takes a, a few hours a year of your own personal time to, to deal with any matters or review, consider, talk to your financial planner, those sorts of things. Uh, whereas a, a property development can be quite time intensive. You know, you're project managing, dealing with inevitable changes or challenges, planning rules. Uh, you're looking at different, uh, lots of different opportunities before you choose one, which requires you to do some due diligence and feasibility studies and so on. So, so property development's quite time-consuming. The buy-and-hold strategy uh, is completely at the other end of the scale and, and quite hands-off. Uh, so why are people then attracted to short-term uh, opportunities? Well, like I said previously, uh, for some people, banking a quick profit seems less risky. Um, uh, some people just don't want to wait uh, 20 to 30 years to generate substantial wealth. Uh, earning a quick profit helps them feel like they're making instant progress, I guess. Uh, another driver is impatience. Uh, young investors are more susceptible to this, I think, because they've got a smaller asset base. And so they, they really want to, they've got a bit more urgency and they want to build their asset base really quickly. Uh, whereas seasoned investors typically have already achieved a level of financial security. So they've already got a, a really sound and strong asset base. So they don't have the same sense of urgency and therefore have more patience uh, to wait for longer term uh, results. And ironically, you know, as I've demonstrated here, that playing the long game is the most effective uh, tool. So that the approach, the impatience approach is actually um, obviously works against them. The other thing to think about, too, is, you know, I give you a stock tip, make 50 grand over the next nine months. Uh, it's a great outcome. No, no doubt. Like, of course, no one's going to say no to a fifty thousand dollar profit, but I don't want to be flagrant because uh, fifty grand's a lot of money, but it's not going to change your life, and it's not going to change your retirement strategy either. However, making the decision to play the long game, investing in a long term asset, 
that's high quality, that's going to, that there's a, a high probability of delivering really good quality returns over very long periods of time, making that decision will change your life. So when you look at those short-term investment opportunities, that's the question. You can ask yourself, is it really going to change my life? Is it going to get me to where I want to go? So there's other four, you know, how do you play that long game? I thought of four sort of um, tips, I guess, to, to keep asking yourself or think about uh, that will help you play the long game. The first one is ask yourself, what can you invest in today that will maximize your investment returns over the ten, next 10 plus years? I find 10 years is a really good time frame to think about because it, it's long enough to force you to focus solely on sound fundamentals. So drown out all the noise. You know, in, in 10 years' time, will COVID matter? No, that you probably won't even be a, a thought in our mind. So we don't need to worry about the impacts of COVID over the next 12 months when making investment decisions. Uh, but also 10 years is short enough to still be able to conceptualise outcomes and results and where you might be. If you try and think in 20 or 30 year time periods, I mean, who knows what life looks like in 20 or 30 years time. It's often too, too longer to really make sense. The second tip is uh, resist the temptation to make a quick buck. But if you do want to pursue something that's short term, uh, make sure you can do it without the cost of compromising or delaying your long term investment strategy. Look, I would say always resist the temptation, go play the long game all the time. But if you're going to do it, just make sure you're not doing a compromise of any other um, asset or strategy. The third tip is to appreciate that investments that have the fundamentals that will generate good returns over very long periods of time are far, far better than investments that generate a once-off profit. So if you're going to invest in anything, invest in those assets that will give you perpetual returns rather than a once-off return. And lastly... Do your best to ignore all the short-term noise, which is, you know, media, social media, spruikers, etc., etc. Most of it is designed to grab attention, sell, sell advertising or sell product. It should not be used to inform uh, investment decisions. Now, to wrap up, um, I could probably summarise it in one sentence, and that is that wealth transfers to the investors that have the most patience and the most discipline. Let me say that again. Most of the wealth transfers to the investors that have the most patience and discipline. Look, we're all tempted by short-term investment opportunities from time to time. And that's why it's important to regularly remind ourselves that short-term investments do not generate long-term value. And the best way to achieve financial independence is generating long-term value. It takes discipline to play the long game. Uh, Long-term investments require a fair amount of delayed gratification and patience. It's not always easy, but the evidence definitely demonstrates that it is the most successful path to building wealth. Playing the long game might not be particularly attractive or sexy, uh, but it definitely works. Um, Okay, guys, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, please just a little reminder to leave a rating, a feedback rating, or even a comment. Uh, be greatly appreciated. Certainly helps with the ranking of the podcast uh, and helps people decide whether it's for them and whether they should invest some time listening. So if you enjoy it uh, and you can do that, I'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, Until next week, bye for now.